0: This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard, take the lead.
1: Welcome to the Financial Standard podcast. I am Karen Vergara, a senior journalist at Financial Standard, and I am joined today by Neil McDonald, the Chief Executive of the Advisors Association. Neil, welcome.
0: Thanks, Karen. Pleasure to meet you.
1: So, today we are discussing Treasury opening consultations recently that proposes amending the current advisor experience pathway. So, Neil, if you can please tell us firstly, what exactly are the requirements now for experienced advisors
0: as well as new entrants? So, the current requirements is you've got to pass an exam, you've got to have relevant qualifications by the end of December 2015. You've got to have completed ongoing, continual professional development points at 40 hours a year. Um, And then that includes an ethics component as well. The only difference for new entrants is they've got to do all of that, plus they've got to do a professional year, which is a 12 month program, which is supervised. So the proposed changes, I guess, are um, to recognize an experience pathway that was originally brought up in. 2021, there's been some consultation about it up to now uh, and quite a lot of feedback because there's a bit of a view that, you know, to be a profession, you need to be qualified and experienced rather than just experienced. Uh, But recognising there's a shortage of advisors, numbers fallen by 10,000 over the last three years. There's an increase in demand from consumers with potentially 5 million people being eligible to retire in the next um, 10 years, there is a bit of a gap. And so this is trying to address that gap.
1: So within the new proposed legislation, Neil, for existing advisors that are experienced, what are the amendments in the law that will affect them?
0: Okay, so probably the main one is the recognition that experience is important Mm -hmm. and that has been defined as um, 10 years of full-time equivalent experience. So if you were working a four day week should have to do slightly longer than ten years effectively. It's between January two thousand and seven and December twenty twenty one, which actually potentially creates an issue for existing advisors because you've got to have been there for those ten years in that period of time. And we've had a couple of advisors who've done their ten years now but weren't there, you know, in ten years in twenty twenty one. And you've got to have a clean record, which is defined as a disciplinary record and no enforceable undertakings against you. Um, You still have to do the exam. And so, you know, anybody who's already in the industry has done that anyway. And you've got to do your continuous professional development. And to actually become accredited under this process, you'll have to self certify in January 2026 that you meet those requirements. And if you're licensed by, um, an Australian financial services licence, they'll also have to certify that as well.
1: For new entrants, Neil, would they still need to do the professional development, I guess, hours and requirements under the proposed new laws? Yeah, the, the,
0: effectively what this um, proposed legislation does is to give them a little bit more flexibility in their education pathways and and so they'll still have to meet all the other requirements um, so, so for for new entrants, it doesn't really change that much.
1: And you, your association, the TAA, has read through the draft legislation and explanatory materials. What is your response to it?
0: Well, we've been involved all the way through the consultation process going back to 2022, and our stance has really not changed that much. The first is that we need to enable consumers to be able to access affordable advice efficiently and cost-effectively. Um, we recognize that there's a bit of a balancing act between, you know, professional qualifications and education experience and just experience. Um, So our preference would have been to fill the gap up to 2025 because of the question about what happens if you have disciplinary disciplinary action taken between 2021 and 2025. It also creates a bit of a gap for people who are, joined the industry relative in the last 10 years, but not before 2021. Um, And our our views generally that this gap is a short-term measure that needs to be addressed more systemically by reviewing the education standards. Um, But in the short term, we also thought that this should have a sunset clause on the experience pathway alone. What we've found as well from our perspective is We've got about just under a thousand members, most of them actually have, have just got on and done their exams for want of a better word. And, and there's a bit of a sort of feeling from them that why should there be a sort of an easier pathway for some people? But I still think that it's worth doing that, particularly to ensure that consumers can get access to advice. And it's not just new consumers, it's actually existing clients, with existing advisors as well.
1: That's a good point there. You mentioned that in the last three years. 10,000 advisors have left the profession. We counted from 2018 about there were about 30,000 advisors practicing active advisors at the peak. Do you think this legislation came just a little bit too late given all the number of advisors that have ex-
0: exited? I think if you look at the longer term, the trends are not that dissimilar to where they are. It's probably longer term trend is about 18,000. What you have to recall is that... Um, when the sort of reviews were done, a lot of people registered because they just wanted to make sure they were on the fire register at that particular date. Uh, there was a lot of um, you know accountants who got registered who may not needed to have done the longer term. There's a bunch of people who might say, "Oh, look, I'm just going to hedge my bets I'll get registered and so there's a there's almost two components one is the the core fall, which is no doubt uh, being exasperated by. You know, onus, compliance obligations, lots of paperwork, time to give advice, and the education standards. And then the sort of, the, if you like, the, the blip which was caused by just let's get on the register by this date, otherwise we might not get the opportunity to do so. But notwithstanding that, the, the, there is a significant fall in numbers, and this will actually help address that.
1: In term, you mentioned consumers earlier. How do you think they will benefit from accessing advice with this new piece of legislation
0: change? In isolation, I don't think this is enough, but there's an, you know, the quality advice reviews recommending other changes which make it easier to give simple advice simply. So, as a package of reforms, I think it will actually make it easier for people to get advice. Um, I think it will, for, for a lot of established advisors who meet this requirement, they were in a position they were going to have to retire in 2025, and mm. now they can stay a bit longer and look after their existing clients, many of them will be coming up to retirement age themselves as well. Um, So I think overall it's a a positive. I think um, on a more granular level, it it does recognize that it's not a one size fits all for advice and so stockbrokers who are highly experienced um, would fit into this category. Um, Life insurance specialists would probably fit into this category as well. And so it increases the number of people who are likely to stay in the industry and therefore allow different types of advice as well as just pure financial planning advice.
1: Absolutely agree. Um, Neil, is there anything else you'd like to share with us regarding the new legislation? And
0: well, I think the other thing which has not probably been focused on enough is the extra discretion the Minister has around education qualifications. Um, and again, we've seen a lot of people... Um, you know, the, the the pathway to get your qualifications was fairly narrow. And, you know, we've got current examples where the, the title of the course has failed and therefore the exam fails. Um, and, and so there's that level of discretion to allow maybe somebody who's done a bachelor's degree and then tops up with maybe a law component, which they've not done before, is a good example where it will give easier access to some people to come into the industry. Get the, you know, the relevant qualifications. The gap, I still think, is somebody who's been, you know, ten years at 2025, but not ten years at 2021. And and so, in our submission, we'll be going back and suggesting that needs to be addressed. And we'll also be recommending that uh, there should be a sunset clause and uh, experience the experience pathway. On
1: Neil, we've learned so much from you today. Um, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Pleasure, happy to help. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice.